Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays, and joining me tonight is my good friend, Nate Heiss. Nate, how you, Nate, how you doing, buddy? Good God. Everyone <laughs> in the comments well. was talking about how good of the intro, oh, good the intro was, and then I stepped all over it. And you're like, yeah, you're rocking out. Mess up the name. No, I know my name rhymes with everything. Like Nate rhymes with a lot and Tice rhymes with a lot. So it's okay if you stumble the words there. But I, I'm getting used to because like, when we prep, we sit in the green room for a couple minutes, and it's like, okay, sounds working, our camera's working. I'm getting, we reconfigured my background just a little bit, so like I have a TV right here now for the YouTube viewers, and that's really screwing me up when I look at myself because so that's what I'm going through right now. That's messing <laughs> up the name. I'm messing up my own intro because I think there's something behind me now or, or a blackout spot, something getting black uh, beeped out in the background here. All right, we got a lot of stuff to dig into tonight. Exciting game between the Dolphins and the Steelers. We're going to talk about that on tomorrow uh, on the Monday Hangover with Mike Sando. So we're going to save that for a little bit. We're going to talk about the Bengals offense a little bit later today. Some running backs that caught our eye. The teams in the NFC that are supposed to be good just continuing to fall wow. apart in a way that doesn't make sense. But I want to start with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs dismantled a group that when healthy, and they were relatively healthy, we mm-hmm. think might be the best defense in the NFL. The Chiefs tore them apart today in San Francisco. Yeah, they got the like awesome plays, you know, like Kelsey's hurdling guys, and and they got like a Mahomes is getting hit, and Kelsey goes and high points a throw. But it was a reminder that when Andy Reid has a good game plan, which he does most of the time, but when he has a one that's clicking, and Mahomes is 
Mahomes, which he is 99% of the time. Holy crap. Because they, they like just even little subtle things today, like they were sprinting out a ton yeah. on all downs. They're just, they were just changing, um, the launch point for, you know, Bosa and that 49ers defensive front. This is their strength. They love teeing off and ears pinned back. Go, 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 go. So you have to change it up on them. And usually it's better in theory than what happens on a game day. You're like, Oh, we'll change the launch point. We'll run a naked. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, run a draw. We'll run a screen. And then one gets blown up and we're like, okay, drop back. Screw that. That didn't work out. But the Chiefs, you see, stick with it every down. They had something cool, just cool designs. All those jet sweeps to McCole Hardman, where one was out of 13 personnel with three tight ends, and they were just gaming up with the 49ers had to match with uh, three linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, the CEH run to the outside, all this stuff was taking advantage of what fronts the 49ers were giving, and it worked amazing. Like, because they. We're just, they're just gaming it up. And on top of that, Mahomes is being Mahomes. It wasn't missing a throw. They're now they're throwing back shoulders to Juju Smith Schuster when it gets man coverage. They're, it's like, oh God, this, this offense they hit is two coming of them. full. They had two yeah. back shoulder throws in this game against man coverage because they know they're getting it. And that's yep. what really stuck out to me is just new all wrinkles of the details. Obviously, Mahomes yep. throws for 400 yards. Like what they did Pretty through good. the air in this game was crazy. But there were a couple of specifics to the game plan. You pointed it out, but I want to dig a little bit deeper on yeah. how uncomfortable they made Nick Bosa the entire yep. day in a variety of ways. The play before the first McCole Hardman jet sweep touchdown, they cut Bosa with McKinnon on the outside on a little completion Mm -hmm. to, I think, Noah Gray. And just consistently throughout the game, he's getting chipped or he's getting cut or there's a feigned chip and he ducks inside because he thinks it's coming. That long third and 11 completion to MVS that really kind of helps swing the game, they don't chip Bosa, but McKinnon's there, so he ducks inside and Mahomes has more time on that play to complete its MVS. They had two big completions out of empty with two chippers, and McKinnon yep. was one of them on Bosa a couple times. The screen they hit on third and 20 was out of that same empty look, and instead yep. of chipping, he releases, and they hit him on a screen for a 20-yard gain. All of that stuff. There's one play I really want to dig into and point out a little bit more, though. And again, it points to what the Chiefs were trying to do to Bosa throughout this game on the jet sweep touchdown. He gets way upfield on the CEH touchdown run. You guys can see this. If you're watching it on YouTube, they just let Bosa get all the way up the field. He's six yards deep in the backfield. By the time CEH gets the ball here. And by the time he gets back to the line of scrimmage, this was a fantastic game plan for just Mm -hmm. taking advantage of how aggressive the Niners are as a whole up front, but also just how aggressive specifically he is and making him think play in and played out all the way through the game. It's those changeups. It's just, it's just, that's what having a game plan is when you're going against a game wrecker is yeah, not, you're not gonna be able to block him up every time and you can't just chip help him the same way every time. That's just one answer to it. It's they just threw every answer. I'm glad you brought up the CEH touchdown. We had the little clip there. Look at that new feature for the YouTube viewers. Look at us go. But it's. I know, but it's, but that's exactly what it was. They, they, uh, the commentator, was it Olsen today? It was Olsen. Uh, yes. Saying, it was Olsen. He did a great I job. Because he does a good out. job. <laughs> he does a good job. Right. I know. He actually showed off these details of Noah Gray feigning. And it's just, you're just a, changing the attack angle for him. They're doing the pin stuff on the outside. So he's getting pinned on the outside, like when he's not expecting it either. It's just all these little 
little tweaks they're doing. Oh, um, they'll they'll hit sale routes all the time to Kelsey, and now they switched up the releases, so they're doing like motion to stack, and then Juju Smith Schuster is running the sale mm-hmm. route, and so they're just little tweaks. They're off, off what what they've shown so far this season, and it's awesome. That that screenplay was great because the the empty formation, it was the 49ers ran the same look the Bills ran last week with the three down front with a spy spy rush. And it was kind of like cheap. The Chiefs already had it in the game plan. They're like, they show that we got a we got a great little wrinkle for them. We just run their screen on a third and extra long, and not only get it like get close to get it, they got the first down, set them up for a score. I think on the next play, all that stuff was so so good. And on top of it, there's two. There's been two times this season. Or I'm sorry, four times this season that a quarterback is converted on a first down over half their passing attempts. Mahomes has two of them. So it was this week against the 49ers and Week One against the Cardinals. Now. This is the stat I was excited to share with you that I haven't shared with you yet was so there's been since 2012. I looked this how far back I looked according to true media. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has the highest percentage of attempts going for a first down of any quarterback since 2012. Second is Matt Ryan in 2016. Third is Peyton Manning in 2013. So this he year is first. he's third. He's first. Patrick Mahomes is first since 2012. All quarterbacks. So he he has at forty one point nine percent of his attempts, his whole all of his pass attempts this year are going for a first down, which is the first since two thousand twelve. Second is Matt Ryan, third is Peyton Manning. I think Josh Allen's at like thirty nine and change, which is like I think like seventh or something like that, six. So we have two of like these historical outliers happening right now in this season. Like he is just absurd. It's not like all the yards we can say that touchdowns, those are all stacking up, but getting all those first downs, that's when we say this offense is hitting for doubles. That's what this offense is doing, play in, play out. Just singles and doubles, singles and doubles, just hitting these 10 to 20 yard plays one after another. Mahomes right now is just playing at an unbelievable level. And that was, I, I couldn't believe it. When I came across that stat, I was like, oh, who are these other ones that came up? I think Brian Fitzpatrick was in there as well, but like Fitzpatrick was at like two, he only had like 200 attempts for the entire season. I can't believe what I think that was 2018. Um, but it was those, those other plays. But the fact that it's Mahomes, Matt Ryan, 2016, Peyton Manning, 2013, that's quite the top three to have and the one that you're stacking up on top of. That's absolutely incredible. That I, so yeah. I also had one and okay. just a, a stat from this game and a stat about the Chiefs. And it really does point to why they are the way that they are. And there are two of them and I think they're connected this year in a way. So we're never going to remember this. So many of these games, we're never going to remember this stuff. The Chiefs went down 10 nothing today. Yeah. They went down 10 nothing. Mahomes threw an interception on the first like drive. They were in a 10-0 hole. Since Mahomes took over as the starter, the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season and the playoffs, 18 games, they've fallen into a hole of 10 or more. Okay. They're 10-8 and eight in those games. They have <laughs> the a winning wins. record in games where they spot the other team at least 10 points. Do you know who has the second best record over that stretch? Oh, man. Is it like, is it Allen? It's, no it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. They're eight and 18. <laughs> yeah. The next best team is 10 games under 500 in those scenarios. And the Mahomes led Chiefs are 10 and eight. They have a winning that's record. Abs- and you absurd. feel that. It's that yeah. combined with the third and 11 conversion, the third and 20 conversion. They are converting 47% of their third and longs. In this game, in this season, 47%. Over the last decade, the league average is 25. That's absurd. That's probably not sustainable. But what's interesting is that I think, 
and I don't know if this is real and or if it's a little bit noisy with the stats because I know third down mm. efficiency can often be a little bit volatile. But because more teams are playing so much man coverage against these guys, the court the, the quarterback it really does feel like they have more power in these moments. And the fact that the Chiefs and the Bills are converting at such an incredible rate on those third and longs doesn't feel like an accident. It doesn't feel like it's that mm. volatile. They feel like they do have real power and real advantages in those scenarios where other teams don't. We're going to get to a couple teams that have been horrendous in those situations, but that's how good the Chiefs have been. And I think it allows them to climb out of some of these holes, whether it's big picture during a game or whether it's during an individual yep. set of downs. Always in attack mode. And and so much of that Mahomes stuff, yes, he has a couple plays where he's doing he's doing the loopy around and it's five seconds, etc. But so much just feels like an extension. Like it's just a he he puts the little, you know, the extension on like a lowercase J. Like he's like, okay, that's what so much of those – it's like he steps up because he's just letting his crosser clear just that extra mm-hmm. half space. So it's kill, still kind of in structure, but it's not like he just extends it that extra play. So it's not like a true ad lib, but the fact that, again, it's the in-structure stuff, out-of-structure stuff, him as a scrambler, they're figuring out the run game. But it's just that entire offense just – it's relentless. Yeah, that's it's just a great okay. word for it. Relentless third, is a great third, word for it. Third and extra long. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna run this three down front. We'll you know we'll rally and tackle them short of it. They run a screen. They get an explosive play on it. It's like okay, all right. Now okay, third and twelve. Let's okay. We're clamped down. We're gonna really lock down on them. Okay, now he's finally gonna hit us over the top. And it's like oh my god, like you just you're always a page behind them. And now that they're throwing wrinkles and now they're they're having all this game plan stuff. I wanted to reiterate like you you we mentioned all the, all the stuff they were doing against Bosa, but the fact that they're leaning into this many sprint outs. I watched the. This is a difference between like an outstanding offense and a bad offense. You watch the Steelers, and I get it. They're starting a rookie quarterback. They play the Bills. They run a sprint out with Kenny Pickett with a smash concept, which is a hitch in a corner. It's as high school as you can get. And they run it like seven times. The Mahomes and the Chiefs run these sprint out concepts today. I counted at least five. Might have been more than that. Every concept they ran with it was different. Yeah. So they're running the same play, like same sprint out action. The combination of two-man or three-man com- combination, and at different times, first and ten, third and short, red zone, all these different plays, and they're hitting them in different ways. And all those jet sweep touchdowns, hitting them in different ways. Same basis. All right, we're going to get you in a stack look. We're going to get you in this type of front. Stack look, I'm, I'm saying, is all the linebackers are off the ball. So it's all the linebackers off the ball. All the, all the safeties are back in the two-high structure. So you get these stack looks. So all we have to do is feign the DN. Make him just sit there, and we just hit him on the outside because now we have numbers to the outside. And they did it in three different ways, uh, three different personnel groupings, 12, 13, and 11. So it's pretty cool just these wrinkles that they're showing in that they can adjust for each game plan. It's it's an awesome offense to watch right now. I said it earlier today, but my, one of my main takeaways we watching that game is just that I don't even think we give enough credit to Andy Reid for what he is. I mean, mm-hmm. he is like quite simply one of the best football coaches of all time. Yeah. I, uh, in, the, in the modern era, I mean, Sean Payton – you know, did this for a, a mm-hmm. good long while, but not at the level that Andy Reid is doing it right now. But these play calling head coaches who have been the yep. figureheads of their offense for this long. And Andy Reid's done it for almost a decade with these yeah. Chiefs teams, and they've always yep. been good offensively. There's always been 
I mean, yep. there have been different versions of it, like what they were in 2013, 2014, and then in 17 when Tyreek Hill comes, and now they have the vertical aspect too with Alex mm-hmm. Smith, and then Mahomes steps in, and it becomes this entirely new thing. And then you have now you're in the post-Tyreek world, and there's still the best passing offense in the league, and having Mahomes is part of it. But this is the sort of game plan when you see those little details, and when you see, all right, I have a way to neutralize I don't know. Bose has probably been the third best defensive player in the league this year. Third, fourth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right on, there in the conversation. On the podium. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just right there. Yeah. He's standing. He's got the bronze medal probably. And we're, yeah. we're, we're, he's placing. And they spend so much intentional time in this game making it hard on him and neutralizing yep. him and defanging him just enough to allow yep. the offense to flourish. And that Patrick Mahomes makes it all sing. But all of the work that you're doing to make sure – you're helping put your offense in the best possible position. He's at the center of that. And he's been doing this now for 10 years with this franchise combined what he did in Philadelphia. It's remarkable. Like he is yep. one of the best ever. And it's just important to keep saying that. It's not just ball plays. It's a game play. Yes. And that's what he puts together. That is what, when you're going against game wreckers on the opposing team, it's what you usually say is, we're not letting this guy beat us. And it's easier said than done most of the time because it takes a lot of effort to put together a hundred-ish plays. And each one has to be like, okay, we only call this on this hash. Okay, well, we only call this when uh, this player is out of the game. We only- it takes effort from the whole staff and Andy Reid and or just whoever the play caller is and whoever's designing these plays and whoever's putting together the game plan. Well, we have uh, enough of these on second along. We don't need another one where, oh, well, we need this one when Bosa is in the game so we can have this play when this one's perfect. But that is just what this is what a good game plan looks like. Like, with, of course, you have Mahomes, which makes everything easier. You have Travis Kelsey, which makes, makes everything easier. But guys were running open and usually and McCole Hardman's getting these touchdowns for for a reason. And it's because the gameplay got put together in such a elegant way, I would say. And then you have great players taking advantage of it. So, no, I agree. He he has some, one of the best feels where Sean Payton sometimes felt like brute efficiency, where it was just like, yeah, we're we're killing you with six to eight yard gains over and over, run game, short game, and that's how we're doing it. This is just everything, and they can just tap, the fact that they can tap into more and more against different opponents is really cool to watch throughout an entire season. Also, I wanted to chat really quickly before we move on. This is just one of those games where Jimmy just worries me. I mean, this oh, is no. this is a team that you make the McCaffrey trade and it's kind of an all-in move. It's like, all right, we see the chessboard with the NFC. Yeah. and yep. But he's just always going to have these moments where it's like, oh, God. Like it's just the offense is just so capped out because these games are coming. And that's why it's hard to get really, really excited about this team because the needle that you're threading is incredibly skinny. Yep. The, the little sense of urgency, like the safety he took. It was like he scrambled and he was like, okay, I'm okay now. It's like, no, stranger danger, Jimmy. Stranger danger. You got to keep moving, man. You got to keep running. But he does that. That's what he does. Like he has, he never, he never fully stops. Oh no, he never fully stop or yields. He just stops. It's like, hey, no cop, no stop. Just keep going. Keep doing what you want to do, Jimmy. Like even the touchdown he threw that he ad-libbed, it was kind of like he's like, I think I could do this. Like I could think I throw this play out of structure. And it it kind of – it worked obviously. But it's so many times you're like, oh, yeah, this is Jimmy. Jimmy always – Jimmy's going to put a bar on himself. But if it's clicking, it's clicking. But you can see where the limitations come up. So, yeah, I, I agree. It is a wide-open NFC. We talked about this on the Thursday Live Pod, the recap after CMC got traded. But it's – that we know what Jimmy is. That's why we're excited what 
the Trey Lance, what that wild card could be, you know, what that mystery box could be. And then now it's like, oh, yeah, we're back to Jimmy. Jimmy's safe. We know what Jimmy's Jimmy's going to bring to the table every game. And, yeah, you can see the limitations of it today. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about some things that grabbed our attention today. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. All right. Nate, Bengals offense is fun again. We made it. We got back here. We made it through the dark times over the first month of the season, and we have returned. That was great. I was watching them play today, and I understand it's against the Falcons. I understand that we have practice squad corners coming up in this game that were on the team as of yesterday. I still think that the structure of this thing and some of the ways that they've evolved in real time are very cool. And getting to a place where Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow again, everything is just better. The the sun is shining a little brighter. Got a little spring in my step when I was rewatching that game. I'm happy to be back here. It was, it's my, one of my favorite Simpsons memes is when Homer is getting to the defibrillator and he just goes more more <laughs> that that's what i watching this Bengals offense that's what it felt like hey we saw 989 rear its head again night one of my favorite concepts and i, I could talk about this it, 989 is as simple as football can get peyton manning and the colts used to run this all the time two vertical routes nine which is a go ball on the on the route tree and then the eight is the middle read which they run with tower boyd and you either run a a dig or you run right down the pipe against too high Tower Boyd's touchdown came on 989, covered two. You never really see the splitter down the middle, like not the splitter pitch, but the splitter between the two safeties. Tower Boyd, touchdown right there. So there's, okay, that's the beat, covered two. What, what, and was, then, what was the, uh, Higgins on the right, on the outside there, what was he running? It was a corner, right? Well, no, they, so they go tight splits. So they run out and up. Oh, okay. So All they right. get so to the very, yep, yep. What I, because I, what I thought was interesting is I thought he was running a corner and then because it really put the cover two safety in conflict because he has yep. no idea what he's supposed to do there because Boyd's running down the pipe and Higgins yep. is running to the corner. So it's, he was in such conflict that he fell over. He, yep. he didn't know what to do and he it's, just fell over, which looks silly, but I think it's a product of what they were doing to him with the structure of that play. Yep. It was a tight split. It was a different, it's a different, that's a wrinkle on running this rather than being static, which the chase touchdown, the 30 ish yard touchdown, um, I believe uh, near the end of the half, 
also a 989, but this one was against man coverage, and that was because Dean Peace, Took the it Falcons immediately. defense coordinator, was, oh, I know, because he, the Falcons defense coordinator, Dean Peace, was like, I can't keep living this cover two. We just ran cover two, and Tyler Boyd ran down the pipe. Man, blitz, we're doing the fuck simulated, and then that's what happens when you go man coverage against the Bengals. He's just going to throw, uh, Burrow's just going to throw go balls on you. So I, I just loved, so that one, um, to Boyd with the tight splits, the Bucks like doing that out of the tight splits a lot. That is the Scotty Miller against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. It was a tight split look. And so they fake out and they get to the same go spots, but from a close split. But the fact that they ran those two and then on top of it, um, 989 and truly is, I think in the Pey- Sean Payton offense, they call it doubles. Um, we would call it, uh, in the Christ offense, we called it mirrored concepts. And, but what it is, is you can tag on the outside the nine and the nine, it can be both comebacks. You can go 585. You can go 484, two stop routes or two curls. And there's a couple times they ran like 585 and you saw some comebacks getting peppered out there. So when you're beating these guys over the top and you don't have AJ Terrell to match up with these guys, that's a good way to live. We got, we got true one-on-ones. Don't you want to take your one-on-ones? Let's just pepper them all day. But on top of it is now in the last two weeks, especially we see Burrow peppering these underneath throws over the middle of the field. And that's that's the way he has to live. And now he's getting those explosive plays back. So I can get into two and I'll let you go. But it, it was that was what was cool to see in the passing game. And then there's some run game stuff that it's cool what they're tweaking and modifying their tendencies a lot. And I think it's really been helping them. So let's talk about the tendencies a little bit. Yeah. We talked about this on the Monday hangover with Sando. They're exclusively a shotgun offense now. Yep. So the only time they went under center today or over the last two weeks, the only times they've gone under center, they've run seven plays under center before the fourth quarter of this game when they were winning by a million points. Okay, All seven of those plays, they had one yard to go, or it was a kneel down. That's it. So they are exclusively playing in the shotgun now. Yes. So in any normal, normal down and distance, they are in the shotgun right now. And it's really interesting to watch because now the siloing we talked about, they've removed it completely. It's gone. Because it's you don't gone. have to worry about it anymore. So yep. now, and the, they're actually running the ball out of the gun much better than they ran the ball under center. So much better. And yep. they hit a play action over to out of, to Tyler Boyd today on a play action yep. pass out of the gun. So their yes. play action passing game is more efficient than it was under center. It's yep. watching it all come together like this is awesome because now they have answers when teams are going to play all that cover to yep. That they've been playing against yep. them for the first month of the season. Falcons came into this game fifth in the NFL, and the rate they were using cover two is about 21% of snaps, which is almost exactly how often Joe Burrow was seeing it over the first six games. Oh, funny. And so they're spreading it out, and he's willing to pepper everything. And especially today, Falcons, I would assume, I have not looked at the stats because we don't have access to the fancy stats. I think they've probably run as many sim pressures as any team in the league. They're and up. You watch it happen today. They're not blitzing a ton. I think they blitzed yeah. like 9% of dropbacks, but they're bringing second-level defenders the entire game. They they were second when I looked at it last week. So, so, yeah. it, so the, who was first? There. The Titans? <laughs> uh, Broncos. Broncos. Okay. So Broncos, yep, yep. Titans, and, and Falcons, and I assume, and, are all up there. And, bo- and Bucks are up there. Yep. yep. So the, the usuals. <laughs> so that Burrow is seeing all this. So they're yep. bringing second-level defenders. I thought they did a great job of picking it up today. When they were bringing yes. those simulated pressures, and I thought that Great. Burrow was seeing it consistently. There were two plays on the same drive where they were in empty, and they brought one, and he hit the back just immediately. 
Yep. And and they were uh, in this game. He was eleven of fourteen for ninety five yards out of empty. They so just letting him control the game, and yep. it's really fun to watch. And when they it have is. those one on one matchups, he still takes them. So it's yes. the elements of the offense that worked last year, plus yes. solutions to the problems they were facing yes. over the first five weeks of the season. It's awesome. It's ra- it's raising the floor up. Just be more efficient. So you can still get those explosives, but just be a little more efficient from down to down so you don't have to face all these like third and impossible situations. But no, the the shotgun rate is so – it's so cool because it, I want to say it was the Ravens game I really looked at um, a couple weeks ago was just the different types of runs they're running out of shotgun. When they were under center, it was the same play almost every time. It was zone. They just ran zone, zone over and over and over. Heavy personnel zone on second down. That's what they did. And now, and just some more stats from weeks one through four from compared to the last three weeks, five through seven. They're in the shotgun now. Their shotgun run rate is at 69% the last three weeks. It was 31% over the first four weeks. Their EPA per rush has gone from negative 0.27 overall in the first four weeks to 0.06. They're like, they've gone from a good rush. 0.06 unit. is good. That doesn't seem good. like it's good. 0.06 no, is a very good. efficient run game. Yes. Here's success rate. It's gone from 30% overall to 53.8%. That's top, like top five. Like, that, like, yes. That's bringing you into the upper echelons of the league. For even just a simple one. First and second down run rate. Uh, uh, first and second down rate of five or five yards or more that they succeeded on. First four weeks, 26%. Now it's at 43%. Just everywhere you look. It's just everything is better. And all they did was had to get in the freaking shotgun on like second down. <laughs> it's it's just, but it helps because now defenses can't tee off on you. They can't go, oh, under center, under center zone. Okay, match. Okay, here we go. We got to check because they're under center now. Now it's just, and like you said, now they, they go shotgun. Now they're going, okay, it's a, if they show run, bear in, get, hit your gap. Now you run play action out of it. It's just, yes, you're built. Now you're at the step three off of these looks. And that helps. And now you can run. That 99 play that they love to run, now it just opens up more because now they have to worry about the underneath stuff. Now they have to honor it. Now they can't just sit back and go, well, you're in the gun. We can just back off now. So it's just this, yeah, it all kind of plays hand in hand, and it's been cool to watch the last three weeks. I also think, chatting with people there, that they believe the run, the shotgun run game actually fits better with the skill set of the offensive lineman that they have now. So it's all kind of coming together from a bunch of different directions. It yeah. removes the siloing, but they're actually better running the ball out of these situ in these situations and out of yeah. these looks. So credit to Zach Taylor and to that offensive right? coaching staff, man. I mean, when it's been On frustrating to watch at times, but working through all of this stuff in real time yep. and solving all of these problems, it, it has made them pretty potent. And yes. in a world where we're struggling to find these high-powered offenses, finding a way to unlock all of the skill position talent yep. that you have and let your quarterback who was playing like a top five quarterback last season really control the game in his hands yep. the way that he has over the last few weeks. I mean, they are trending way, way up right now. It's and you're not running the same run, so you're helping out. If you even think O line's better than last year, it's still not great. And this helps it out. This is you're not just running zone every time. You're running trap. You're running like QB draw stuff. Like you're just changing up, like how we just talked about with the Bosa getting attacked in different angles. You're not like when we talk about the Falcons offense on the other side. What we love about that is they the, their offense lifts the bar of their their offensive line and quarterback play because 
It lets them take breathers. It lets them just t- hit some easy buttons that maybe weren't there. It just makes their lives easier. And that's what all this little offensive tweaks have done. And hey, yeah, like you said, credit to Zach Taylor because after the first couple of weeks, I was like, hey, you had all offseason to figure this out and you didn't. And then maybe just had to get like a little bit more cold water thrown on them going like, okay, we couldn't, we can't keep winning this way. So credit to them for adjusting because it's been, it's been, Bonafide, like good, like watching this. It's not just a few lucky go balls. It's actual good down to down offense happening. Yeah. And, and they've never really played like this. Even last year when they were rolling on offense, it was a lot of those, the two touchdowns that Jamar Chase scored, that was most of the offense last year. Yes. They didn't move yep. the ball like this in these yep. ways last season, even when they looked really good on offense. So yep. I, I think this is probably the best from a structural standpoint they've yes. looked since this offensive coaching staff has been here. I agree. I completely agree with that. It's the most. It's the most uh, cohesive. Yes, that they've looked. It's not just. It's just not putting together good ball plays and a good game plan. This is the best their game plan has looked the last couple of weeks. It's funny. I think a lot of teams have just kind of realized there's nothing that benefits us from going under center. Ben- mm-hmm. Going under center just doesn't benefit us in any way. And a lot of teams, you look at. The Chiefs are like 95% now. Obviously, you'll spread out teams like the Cardinals and all that. But yeah. I think more and more teams are drifting away from it, which it's just an interesting kind of trend to watch here over the, as the season goes. All right. Yeah. Next up here, Josh Jacobs. You have oh, my yeah. attention. Goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. Another huge game today. Uh, I want Stat I love from this Josh Jacobs game. He averaged 7.1 yards per carry today on over 20 carries. He didn't have a run longer than 15 yards. Oh, that's fun. To average seven Jeez. yards a carry when you don't have a run longer than 15 yards, you dominated the game. Mm-hmm. Like you controlled the game play in and play out when you're running the ball like that. And that's what he's done all season. I mean, some of these Josh Jacobs stats among backs with at least 30 carries, he's second in the league in yards after contact per attempt. Among backs with 50 carries, he leads the NFL in success rate. He leads the NFL in first downs per rush. He's third in total EPA on running back runs after Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. He's just been one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's in the conversation for the best running back in the NFL so far this season. And that's pretty amazing, all things considered. He looks fantastic. Gotta love a player on a contract year. Yes, you really do. He he has so much juice. I mean, the the fourth, I'm gonna talk about the runs in a sec, but the fourth and two he caught. And he assumed that there was a defender overrunning it. So he planted his foot and got north. I didn't know Josh Jacobs had that in his bag. Like, I've never seen him drop step like that. Like, he was a shack in the low post, like <laughs> dropping to get north. It was awesome. But, uh, uh, no, there's a couple runs that got one for the YouTube crew, but it's I formation runs. Like, Josh Jacobs is almost like a classic running back. Mm-hmm. Like, he is an I formation running back. And I thought the Raiders did a the great job, and this is where the Jakob Johnson really comes in, was these I-formation runs that are running. This is a counter one for the ones that are watching on YouTube. So this is a fullback guard counter, old school, old school running play. They were, they ran this several times. I would say three or four times that I saw for successful runs. They ran a dual run out of I-formation, which is just with the fullback leading up. They did a fake belly pitch out of this. And what they were doing, and, and even when they got into lighter personnel, they were motioning a tight end back and forth to get – um, because of how the Texans play defense. So I thought this was a really good game plan from Josh McDaniels, an offensive line coach, was that they understood that the Texans don't adjust their front. They, they set it and forget it. So they run a, they, uh, when they're in a base formation or base personnel, they run an under front, 
which is the nose tackles towards the tight end side. And they were catching them. They, so that's why you saw that counterplay. Counter gap scheme runs are really good against under fronts. So they were motioning, getting the receiver across, getting in a, getting to the right formation that they want against that defensive look they want, and they were manipulating it. And so Josh Jacobs is such a good three down runner, and he's good at all run concepts. And now he has a little bit of a contract year juice, so he can get to the edge on the outside runs, but he's a great between the tackles runner. So it's a great combination of game plan, um, a great running back in the eye formation looks, and just yeah, just hitting it up in the hole. So those counter runs were really cool to watch today. And just like, yeah, it was a, it was a perfect game plan against a, a defense that they knew what they were getting in those defensive looks. And then Jacobs was just hitting them like a, like a madman. I mean, every single one of their big runs today was a gap scheme run. It was some sort of counter. It was some sort of pin pull. And they were doing yep. a ton of different stuff, getting pretty much every single offensive lineman on the move in some way. I mean, mm-hmm. a Luminor pulling around the left side. I mean, they, everybody was doing that. And credit to, like you said, the offensive line coach, whose name I cannot remember. I know he came over from New England. And Josh too. Jacobs. Or jo- <laughs> I can tell you his resume and, and not know his name. <laughs> and Josh McDaniels for building that game plan. Because I was watching, yeah. I was like, man, the Raiders run game is pretty fun. Like, they're doing a, a bunch of different stuff in this game. And to yeah. do that without elite offensive line personnel, yep. that's just putting your guys in the right spots and understanding what runs you have to run in the right situations. And they're doing that consistently with the back who yep. is getting every ounce of meat on the bone essentially every time he's touching the ball carmen brasillo is the raiders offensive line coach thank you bill i was on the tip of my tongue so (laughs) and you look and it's funny because you look so many teams around the league i mean the idea that everyone runs all this outside zone now i think is a misnomer just because most teams have had to find the counter punches by this point in the game so a lot of teams run a lot of stuff but still seeing this team like new england ran a ton of gap scheme runs when brasillo was there yep. last year and so he yep. brings over a similar mindset with Jakob johnson i mean the structure of the run game is pretty similar and the run game for new england last year even with a rookie quarterback they were really good there was a really mm-hmm. good run game last season so the fact that they took that and brought it over to vegas shouldn't necessarily be surprising but you watch a game like this and it's like shit man I mean, this is an offensive line without anybody on it that we're really excited about outside of Colton Miller. A lot of unproven guys, and they're getting a lot of work done in the run game because of the structure and because of what Josh Jacobs is doing for them. Yeah, and it's cool when you can tell they got a a bead on what what the defense is giving them when you can see a different personnel group, just like with the Chiefs game against the 49ers. But this game, too, is, okay, we're going to get into 21 looks with the fullback. We got these runs. And then just those spread looks, like his, I think it was Jacob's first touchdown, motioning a tight end across. And like you said, they're running the pin-pull stuff. They're Because Texans are set and forget it. So we'll motion across. And now the tight end's got an angle to pin. And we'll loop the tackle around. We got beautiful blocking lanes like this was a perfect game because it's so old school how the texans are on defense and how the raiders are on offense yeah like you can really see the diagrams on the play yes like you can see who's pulling for who who's kicking out who like this is a perfect type of game if you, anyone wants to rewatch it on and youtube if that, or when that's like, the case the running game is going to have a nice day it would, it when you can just well, draw so the telestrator and it's essentially like putting it on a chalkboard, you know the running game yep. is going to have a good day. And he did. When the but safety this is tackling a, th- a bunch. Yes, but this <laughs> is a theme. I mean, this is yep. absolutely a theme. Some of the other stats from today's game specifically, 60, 65% rushing success rate for Josh Jacobs oh, in this game. Crazy good. I, highest in the league by far. Yeah. Half of his carries in this game, 10 of his 20 carries went for a first down. That's crazy. That's, Ten of his 20 carries went for first That's a good day. That is a dominant day from a running back. Mm-hmm. And again, it's become a theme for them this year. 
All right, let's stick on the running back train here. Kenneth Walker, you have my attention. All right, a little bit of a different flavor than what we've gotten from Josh Jacobs so far this season. Josh Jacobs leads the NFL in rushing success rate among high-volume backs. Kenneth Murray has been more boomer bust. He was again today, but my God, are the booms fun. I mean, <laughs> that guy has some juice to him. The stat yes. that I, I thought was really good, he has 12 carries of 10 or more yards this season. That's tied for 10th in the NFL. He only has 67 carries. So one out of every four Kenneth Walker carries is going for a 10-yard gain right now. Pretty good. That's pretty explosive. And you see it. I mean, the style he runs with, I mean, the his feet are incredible. I mean, that Mm -hmm. guy, I really, really like what he's doing for them. And I think that when you expand this now to a rookie class that we've talked about, this rookie class has like five or six guys that look like potential long-term starters for them. That's amazing. It's amazing. Both tackle spots. I mean, it just it's insane. It's two the corners, spots to find, I guess. Two corners. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. The, I mean, and now they have a better record than the Broncos, which is absurd. Though, no, but they're uh, first Kenneth place Walker, in the NFC West. <laughs> I know. Is that insane? And ah, God, I had the overs on their wins, but it's no. He Kenneth Walker is just a little ball of chaos. Like yes. he is. He's. But when I watched him at Michigan State, and I want to say they played Miami early in the year. Yeah, it was Miami. And University of Miami. And on that game, this is my first game watching them all 22. I saw the big stats. They barely won the pass ball at Michigan State. And I'm watching them. And everything at first, I'm like, oh, this guy's so out of control. He's just running. He's just really fast. Sometimes you see these running backs that are just like, they have no vision. They're just better athletes and stronger. They can just get to the edge and outrace everybody. And I watched them, and it's hilarious because he's like, it's like Sonic when he, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog when he spins up and like that, like he gets to the line, but then he'll stop. And then like his vision kicks in and he's like, okay, and then I'm going to do this. Like, it's just, it's all frantic, like, but it's also under control. Like it's this weird, weird dichotomy of styles. He has an incredibly distinct running style when you watch him. I mean, there was that one play today where it looked like, you know, when you watch a soccer player kind of do the circles around the ball with their feet, that's what it looked like he was doing today. At one point when he was like in space, he was like trying to cross over yeah. his feet multiple times. Like, what is going on right now? But it actually works. Yeah. Do you like my it soccer does. terminology? I'm a big soccer guy. I did. I like that. We got Montego. Let's, let's keep keep going on it until the World Cup. I I have been trying. I can't remember who I compared him to when I wrote him up. Um, but he reminds me a lot of Devontae Freeman, but with more juice. Interesting. Like okay. the fact. That that, but with more juice, he has more speed than Devonte did. But just that chaotic style, everything's just going. He's but also he actually taller has good than Devonte is, I think. He so it, it looks He's a little bit different. But yeah, it's that's interesting. He's bigger and faster. It's like that, but juiced up. But that's like that. But you're right. He has a very distinctive style, and that's always awesome. I love. Oh, it's chaotic great. backs are the, chaotic backs are like. Some of my favorite players, but also usually it's like, oh, God, there's such a headache because they miss the easiest holes. Walker hits those holes. Like, he actually has good vision. It's just that, yeah, there's limbs going everywhere when he runs. It's, it's um, who is it, Limus and Peanuts, you know, when he has the all the stuff yeah, the, the, around the dirt him. around him, yeah. The, the dirt around him. That's pig it? Yeah. Uh, that's who it is? Pig yeah. pad. Thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm screwing up my Peanuts terminology. That's, oh, Schultz will disown me as minnesotan here but it's but also that is what it what it's like watching him run it's just just a little 
ball of dirt as he's running every time. But yeah, I'm glad they got him because he is Rashad Penny was playing amazing this year, but like Walker is like was uh, should be starting like because he is such a good back. He was my running back too after Hall in this class, so I, I'm glad that he's hitting the hitting the ground running literally and figuratively. Huge bummer about Brees Hall. Yeah. I mean, again, this rookie oh, class oh, yeah. of running backs, what they were doing so far, absolutely amazing. And then Brees Hall goes down, which is I mean, he was a huge part of their offense. They're struggling to move yeah. the ball through the air at all, and what he was giving them was really the most juice they had on that side of the ball. And now he's done for the year, which is a huge bummer. But I mean, the Seahawks in general, man, Gino made again, like three or four throws in this game. It's like, holy shit throws. Oh my God. I I just don't know what to do with them. Like they have some real guys on offense and losing DK Metcalf might suck. We'll see how long he's out and what the actual outlook is for that. But the guys they do have right now, they're just enjoyable to watch. I like watching the Seahawks play offense. I did too. That, and the offense is so sound. Like they run everything and which I love. Like, but he, Gino is playing quarterback how a quarterback should be playing in 2022. He sits in the pocket, moves in the pocket and finds the backside digs. He's sitting in empty and he's finding dig routes. He's hitting seams. He's on the naked. Like just everything is like he understands what's has, he has to accomplish without just always instantly checking it down. He doesn't play into the defense's hands. Like he's, he's like, no, I'm fine. But the first play of the game, they're in empty. And he could just hit this underneath route and he's progressing on it. And then just, he finds a dig and it goes for an explosive gain. Like there's a one I tweeted where he's hitting Tyler Lockett, pinning it, the ball, the dig on him, even though Eskridge gets meshed up, hemmed up on his, it was a dagger concept, hemmed up, doesn't matter. He's just backs in the pocket, hits him right, pins it right on him. It's like, oh, that's awesome. The best it's part awesome, of that Gino. highlight, the best part is that he is pumped. Like after oh, he hits that ball, he he knows that he just smoked that throw, and he's telling mm-hmm. the sideline about it. And that's the best part about this is Gino is a man you can't kill a man who's already dead. Like Gino right. Smith is playing with house money right now. This yes. is a dude. Everything that happens this year is him just giving the middle finger to every single person who never gave him a shot to do this before, and he is fucking loving it. And I'm enjoying awesome. watching it happen. I, I have no it. idea what the ceiling for the Seahawks team is, any of that. But he is playing quarterback at a really high level, and he yep. is just giving the finger to every single person along the way. Yep. And that is cool to watch. It is. It's not. It's not some guy running around and making some plays and pulling it out of his ass. Like this guy is operating within structure and killing it, and it's awesome. It's honestly one of the best things to watch week in week out. All right, last one here, and you have my attention. We got to talk about it really quickly. The Giants offense again. I I just every week. I tweeted this out right before we started the show. All right. This year in the NFL, top five guys in rushes of ten or more yards. Number one, I'm doing this from memory. I don't have the tweet up. Number one, Nick okay. Chubb. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Number three, Josh Jacobs. Number okay. four, Saquon Barkley. Number five, Daniel Jones. <laughs> Oh, the new, had, the new Pony Express. He had 11 carries today for over 100 yards. Seven of his 11 carries in this game went for first downs. This is like sure. a real weapon in their yep. running game. This is a real weapon within their offense. It's wild. Yes. Yes. And his size. That's I always come back to the Kyle Shanahan quote, of course, when he was talking about the difference between Johnny Manziel speed and RG3 speed. And he's talking about, well, yeah, Johnny can run a little bit, but he doesn't have that speed to get to the edge. Like, 
like RG3 can. Daniel Jones can get to the edge. He can outrace the guys that are trying to get, like, stop him from getting to the edge and create yards on it. Like, he has a genuine, you can't run, yes, you go against this Giants offense and you look at the receivers and go, let's just run man coverage. Who's getting open against that? Well, Daniel Jones will just run it on you. He'll just run for a first down. It'll be a 20 yard gain. And that's what sucks when you try to run man coverage against them. But also, like, they're changing up, like, We've talked about their wildcat offense, and it's not even just a gimmick. Now they have change-ups off of the personnel grouping. They'll go into pony personnel with two running backs in there with Brita and Barkley. And uh, so I, I have to play, again, for our YouTube crew. Is So they're in this pony personnel, so they have the two running backs in there. Now they're running zone read arc plays with Brita running out into the flat to block for Daniel Jones keeping the ball. And then they're doing stuff like running a jet sweep to Brita. Uh, of the same personnel grouping. So they're showing all these change-ups off this look that's become their fastball. Now, on top of it, they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll run bootlegs off it. We'll do the quarterback regame, and then we'll run glance RPOs with it. So it's just that they are they know that they don't have great personnel, but they are finding the ways to not only just develop. It's a, They're like Jamie Moyer, just a oh, junk ball absolutely. pitcher. 82-mile-an-hour fastball. Everything else is at 76, 74, 72. doesn't matter. They're still going to get you out. That's what this Giants offense is. And it's just – it's fun watching them just have new tweaks every week because they're well-coached. It's not like they do this stuff and I'm like, man, they have two guys blocking the same guy. Oof. The guy can't even go in motion the right way. It's like, no. It's all sound. It's it's quote-unquote gimmicky. It has to be when you're living this way. Yes, but it's all – it's run as well as they can be. Like yes. that is what's awesome about it. It's run as as well as this offense can be run. It is being run that way. It's 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 low key kind of really fun to watch, even if it's like a race to twenty points. I guess with Giants games, <laughs> I don't know what to make of them. I don't like. Either. I still think it's just kind of a weird gimmick. Like someone on Twitter today was like, the Giants are no longer just like a novelty act. Like I think they still are a novelty act. Like God. they they're a perfect team to give you problems, right? When you're playing against them, what the Giants' defense is, play in and play out, all of the blitzing, all of the funky looks, it's just a pain in the ass. Like, if you're in offense, it's just a thorn in your foot for four straight quarters. And the offense feels the same way. It's watching them on offense and all of the plays – where Jones is pulling it and they're running just naked boots for him to actually run the ball and not throw Mm -hmm. it. It makes sense. It works when you lean into it to this degree, but no one's willing to lean into it to this degree. They have to do it. So that's why it's working. It's like if you built the entire plane out of these sorts of plays and these sorts of ideas, this is what it looks like. I still think when you get into scenarios against good teams – and the Packers might not be very good. Like we're learning that slowly, and that's really their signature win that they've had. If you get into scenarios against good teams where the game script is not in your favor, where you're going to be in third and seven, this they cannot hold up in those moments. No. And I think that ultimately they're going to run out of magic fairy dust, and we're going to see that. But for what it is, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and and even those situations. Okay, we don't. Oh, it's another third and four, third and five. Oh, we're just going to run it. No, we'll just run zone reads. And it, here's the play that I had from YouTube. It was the, the, uh, or for our YouTube watchers right now is they, they went to the, the zone read look and it's just understanding what defenses are giving you because, okay, we're, 
yes, oh man, we're at third and six and we got this offense where we want them. We're going to tee off on them or we got a second and long. Okay, wow, they went to the pony look. Here, watch out for the Wildcat stuff. And you're just changing up the look that you give these defenses, like on this play that's playing right now. That's just a simple zone read, but they window dressed it with the personnel grouping. And it's just, it's awesome. Like you said, it's a thorn in, their, a thorn in the side of whoever they play against because it's, okay, it's, all right. Well, it's second and 14. Oh man. They only got eight yards here. Good. It's four. It's third, you know, third and four here. Oh, third and six here. Oh, shoot. Oh no. They just ran another movement play where Daniel Jones is running for 10, 12 yards. That's annoying. Yes. That's really annoying, annoying to go against. They are an it's annoying, annoying offense, but they are yes. an effective offense. That's where they're at right now. Yeah. All that's right. That's exactly what it is. We're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to get to a couple teams that kind of let us down today. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is, doing what you need to do, carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Man, we're still I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who lost a game today, but not, not didn't just lose. Lost in convincing fashion to the Carolina Panthers, who were accused earlier this week of tanking when they traded their most well-known player for a bunch of draft picks in a season where they had already fired their head coach. Nate, I'm going to say it. This is rock bottom for this version of the Bucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is this is zombie of zombie teams that 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 looks like they're playing right now. I that drop happened to Mike Evans early on the deep post, and I was like, ah, they're going to get 20 of those today. They did not get 20 of those today. <laughs> they they were far far from it. This this offense was 
oh, I don't know what I don't even know what the, the adjective to use. Stagnant? Like I, I don't I don't know what the word is. It just feels rough right now watching this offense, especially. Some numbers. So they were two of twelve on third down today, which seems bad, right? Yeah. I was shocked when I saw this. So they have faced forty three third and longs this season, which is seventh in the NFL. Makes sense, right? They uh-huh. they've run the ball really inefficiently on yes. first and second down. So they went away from that today. They really didn't run the ball that often on first and second down today. They threw it 21 times. Brady was 13 of 21. So eight times they started on second and 10 because of incompletions. So they've just been really inefficient on first and second down. So they've faced almost more third and longs than almost any other team in the league. 43 of them. They are four of 43 on third and long this season. Four for 43. They have converted 9.7% of their third and long chances this season. like historically low. The Chiefs are doing it at 47% of the time. Oh, my God. It's almost impossible to be that bad. The average over the last 10 years is 25%. I said that before in regard to the Chiefs because I was looking this stat up because of the Bucs. 9.7%. And... It's how it feels like they're inefficient on first and second down. So they're facing a lot of third and longs and they just cannot convert in those situations because they look really out of sorts. Brady looks really uncomfortable in the pocket. Uncomfortable. I mean, there were a couple different plays today where he's double clutching the ball. He's not moving nearly as kind of just casually comfortably. Yes. His pocket movement was always so assertive. He was always yep. so sure of exactly step how throw. he needed to navigate step those spaces, yep. and he does not look like that at all right now. And nope. you have an offensive line that isn't playing very well. I mean, obviously, the personnel on the interior is a huge concern. We knew that coming in, but Donovan Smith got roasted today for a sack by Brian Burns. He Tristan Wirfs had a couple moments. It's like nobody on this offense is playing well right now, and that's how you end up with games like today. Yeah, it's a... Chris Godwin's like steady Eddie and everybody else is just like, you don't know what you're getting play in, play out. Like they, they, their O line has that leakiness up the middle and you can see it's not, it's the accumulation of pressure and hits that, that get to quarterbacks. And that's what we worry about with young quarterbacks. And it's like, oh man, this is irreversible over time. But there's, I mean, Gadecki had some rough reps. I'm glad you brought up Donovan Smith because he had a terrible game today. I thought just, just rewatching it and not even staying to all 22. It's noticeable. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked at some stats comparing from 2020, 2021, 2022 bucks with, with Brady. You know, his average depth uh, of target has dropped from nine yards in 2020 to 7.2 yards this year. It's like a steady drop, nine to eight to seven point two. His average time to throw though has dropped a second and a half, or a point a tenth of a second and a half. So it went from two point four to two point two five this year. So he's throwing shorter and quicker on on his drops. Yeah, his a dot empty, which is a huge weapon of this Bucks offense. Like under Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, those Cardinals and Bucks offenses, when they get into second and long, they're almost always an empty. Their their pass rate on second and long is ridiculously high because that's like that's just their mo. But their A dot empty has gone from seven yards in 2020 to 3.5 yards in wow. 2022. It's halved. A dot and play action has gone from 11.2 yards in 2020 to 8.2 yards in 2022. Dropped by three yards right there. Everything is just tighter on this offense. You think that's a protection um, thing? I do. Yeah. Uh, even against Blitz, uh, he's gone from he's 27th 
among 35 quarterbacks in the EPA against the Blitz, which is that's not Tom Brady. That's not how he attacks. And I, I got a couple plays here, and I actually got another one for our YouTube audience. But there's a couple where they it just feels like they're getting gamed up on stuff. Like the the Panthers, Phil Snow's gone, but this Panthers defensive unit on third down, it's actually been one of the most fun blitz units to watch as far as just what they do. But they had one where they gamed up uh, the box later in the game. But this one I'm going to talk about real quick is third and two near, near midfield. It's about 12 minutes ago in the third quarter. So the slide for this offensive line is going to the right spot. They are working to the right. So Gedecki, the left guard is going to the right spot for net that the linebacker that is blitzing is his guy. And Gadecki hesitates for a split second. He's a rookie left guard after all. Just going, is that my guy? No, I'm good. I'm just going to continue my slide. <laughs> for Fournette, who should know better, just olays the blitzer. He just goes, oh, Gadecki's got him. So he just kind of, he almost does like a rip move through him. But because those two just mess it up, they each hesitate, not knowing clearly what their assignment is. And you can see on the clip, whoever's watching on YouTube, you can see Fournette just waltzing by the guy that's blitzing. Then the pressure gets on Brady's face. He misses this go ball opportunity to, to Godwin. Godwin ends up winning late on it. So he ends up diving. It's incomplete. That's the third and two. They end up having to punt. There's another one late in the fourth quarter. Or, sorry, first play of the first fourth quarter. Third and seven. The uh, Panthers run a four-week look, which you have to change your protection, or you have to run a hot route against that. And you can see on it, Tom Brady points out the hot. He's telling Mike Evans, if this guy blitzes, you're running a slant. They do it perfect. Operation is perfect. But because the Panthers' defense is like, well, we've played this Bucks team a few times now. They know exactly what's happening. He runs a slant, gets sawed off. Mike Evans is like 240. He gets whacked on this. And that that's what it feels like. A lot yeah. of these Bucks guys are just getting smoked. Like, they're a tough team. And Godwin and Evans, I could tell, are just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't take another ball over the middle getting peppered like this. Everything just feels tight. Uh, their best plays, they yeah, they run a lot of – that's kind of what they do, a lot of receiver screens. It's kind of like how they replace the run game a little bit. Those are working a little bit, but then they don't have the run game at all. The run game is just so running into the back. Like, And it's not just – the blocking hasn't been great, but Leonard Fournette is not hasn't been anything to write home about. Like we are we are post contract Leonard Fournette and we are yes. pre contract Josh Jacobs. Yes, that is that's the difference right here is like Fournette eighth worst I believe. Oh no, he's thirty first in a uh, uh, rush success rate of qualifying running backs. Rashad White, who's the only running backs I would compare to, he's he's fifth best. Oh, I'm sorry, eighth best. So it's thirty first best compared to eighth best. Okay, first downs per rush. Fournette is forty eighth in first downs per rush. Rashad White fifth. EPA per rush. Fournette is the second worst running back in the EPA per rush in the entire NFL. He's only above Melvin Gordon so far, who has like 20 fumbles. EPA per rush, eh, White's about midway. So he's, he's 21st. It's time for a little yardage. bit more Rashad White, my man. I think so, too. I think so, too. The last one is short yardage. Fournette is the second worst short yardage running back in the NFL right now at 38% conversion rate. He's 5 for 13. Rashad White, 5 for 5. 100% success rate. So like it's not just the one they didn't get in this game. You're talking about stuff oh. like that. Just get north. Just get north, dude. You're not racing anybody. So it's it's a combo of guys, you know, like veterans that you expect to be at least average, above average starters. Donovan Smith, Leonard Fournette, not playing to their extent. Brutal at Mike Evans drops. And then accumulation of Tom Brady not moving and throwing confidently. So this is what this offense is. It's like just all that, those domino effects happening. Does this get better? Oh God, man! I thought the, I'm I genuinely thought worried game, about Brady. 
this game was worrisome. How much, how happy Brady's feet, I, I shouldn't say happy feet, but how warm his f- feet felt and how he was just, he double clutched a couple throws. Multiple throws in this Brady. game. You don't see him double clutching unless it's on purpose. When it's like, oh, a guy jumped, I'm just going to dig the throw. He's double clutching and then throwing it, which is, he's not seeing it. As it's, fast it was as wild to watch because it's it such was. a departure from where yeah. he was over the last couple of years. When you watch yeah. this offense last season, he was playing as well as pretty much any quarterback in the NFL. Like it was him yeah. and Rodgers, and I think for stretches last year, what, how Burrow was playing. But yeah. Tom Brady was could have been the MVP of the league last year easily. What he yeah. was doing in the middle of that Bucks offense was lifting them to being one of, if mm-hmm. not the best offenses in the NFL. He is not playing at that level right now. The protection nope. is worse. The players in front of him are worse. And I do think that so there's some timing issues on the receiving core yeah. side of this. But Tom Brady is not playing at that level. And if he's not going to play at that level, what is this Bucks team? I don't know the answer to that. What do you, what do you think they are an explosive play rate in the entire league? Like the, the bottom third? Just they're 29th. That's insane. Explosive. Because if, if they don't have that, then what are they? Nope. Uh, they they, they can't live that way. This offense is de- gash you down your throat, yes. dropping it back with 15, 20-yard gash ball. Like, the best plays today were comeback throws. But it's like you don't have anything outside of those. Like, they have nothing. Everything feels like four yards, barely getting the first down, or like a 16-yard comeback to Mike Evans. Like, that's what that passing game feels like, which is crazy. Like, what I – even I, I thought a drop-off in this offense would be mid-level and explosive play rate – the fact they can't run the ball efficiently and they're going to know they're 26 in explosive pass rate right now that you that's not what this Bucks team is supposed to be built like. I I would have to watch a little bit more and actually like study it. And even then, I probably wouldn't be able to pick up on enough of it. It feels like teams are really keyed in on what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. It feels like whether it's some siloing that we're not necessarily noticing or some tells that they have formationally or tendency wise, because there was one drive that really stuck out to me. It was five minutes left in the third quarter. First down. Failed screen that the Panthers snuffed out instantly that Brady had to dirt. So we get to second and 10. Second and 10, he has to check it down. Falls incomplete. Get to third and 10. Third and 10, stunt, instant pressure. Brady has to check it down, punt. Just how unambitious the offense feels right now. And because they have to. And you have this offense that felt like they were always, always bringing the heat at you. They were always yes. dictating the game to you, and it doesn't feel like that at all anymore. You talked about that. The hits that they're taking and how downhill teams are playing against them right now, how hard yep. defensive backs are driving on the ball, like, the confidence that they usually play with, defenses are playing with that sort of confidence against them yep. right now. And watching yep. that contrast is just its weird. I'm just not we- used to seeing this collection of players having that happen to them. We would just laugh the last couple of years because it's like you shouldn't be able to get away with this. Like just how quickly he gets rid of the ball and how far the how far he's pushing the ball, snap after snap after snap. And that's what what you're saying. Like, oh yeah, first and ten, it's a negative two yard run. Well, second and twelve, they're going empty. And guess what? Oh, here's an eighteen yard seam ball to Mike Evans, like right down the pipe, or Godwin right down the pipe. And it's like, oh well, wow, that must have been a lot of fun for the defense. Like You got them in a great situation. They're hitting explosive plays on you. They're just not doing any of that. There's no efficiency, no explosiveness. It's And it feels sloppy, which is not – and I get it. They're, the center – it's a new center and everything, but that's just one guy. Now the rest of the team's getting healthy, and just the sloppiness is coming from guys that I'm not expecting it from. Especially like, the quarterback. Tuck. 
especially, especially Tom Brady. the quarterback. And I mean, yeah. this is going to be a conversation we can have over the next couple yeah. months. Talk about all in. Right. This team is $40 million over the 2023 cap. Like This is it. And yep. if this was going to be the final push and this is what they look like on offense, I mean, they're going to have to sort through some rubble next spring to figure out what the next stage of this looks like. I mean, yep. it's it's going to be a rude, rude process for Jason mm-hmm. Light and whoever's in charge of this because this was supposed to be the last gasp and yep. they're gasping for air right now. Talk about another offense. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers because uh, this is just absolutely brutal. O of six on third down today. They go into Washington. They lose to a Taylor Heineke led Washington team and just for the most part get absolutely nothing going on offense throughout this entire game. It's, it's, it's brutal. And it's weekend. This is another offense. So it's like, okay, we're, this is a time for you to take a little step forward. Like, Okay, yes, your receiving group isn't great, but, you know, neither is Washington's DBs. Like, you know, we're hoping for that. But just the quotes after this game were just a little scary if you're a Packers fan, I think. It's, I mean, it's a lot of like, oh, like Rodgers basically gave a nobody believe in us. Zach Tom learned that he's starting at left tackle this morning. Like just these quotes are coming out. But the the Zach Tom learning about it left tackle this morning is a problem. What he said about David Bakhtiari is even right. more of a problem. For those of you who didn't see the quote, Ryan Wood, who covers the Packers, Zach Tom said after this game that he was told this morning he was going to be the starting left tackle. One of his resp- Part of his response was, sometimes the way that David looks in practice, you know you always have to be ready. Yeesh! Oof, it's week. What is it? We're going into week eight now. <laughs> that was week seven. Oof, that was like... Yeah, that's been an ongoing thing, and I'm sure that's a lot of consternation. It's like, all right, if we can't – well, we need this backup to be active. You only get a certain amount of guys that can be active on game day. Okay, this guy has to be active because he has to be our swing tackle, and we need this guy to be our guard. Like, that causes a lot of headaches. Well, even beyond that, pro- Nyman had to play right tackle today because Which he is- practiced at right tackle all week because they were going to trot out that five starting five this week where Jenkins was moving back to left guard, Nyman was going to play right tackle, and Bakhtiari was going to play left tackle. Because when you watch them against the Jets, I think a lot of people watch that game like, this can't be the best five. Like You have an all-pro level guard, and you have a guy that has played left tackle for you at a fairly high level. This offensive line play at this level cannot sustain. We need to figure out a better five. So they tried to do that, and then they're starting left tackle who just disappears before the game because of his knee issues. I mean, it's <laughs> it's rough. I mean, that that is yeah. a rough outcome, but their issues go far beyond losing yes. David Bakhtiari 24 hours before this game starts. Oh, and we're talking about another dis- – I'm trying to segue this like you – another disappointing older quarterback. Um, Rodgers, even when it is blocked up, and we can talk about figuring what they're figuring out there, even though the receivers aren't upper tier or even above average – Rodgers isn't really reading the game out uh, to the level of Aaron Rodgers. It is Rodgers is dinking and dunking, which I know he always does, but we talk about home like three-pointers and layups. That's why Aaron Rodgers how he likes to attack. If you notice all of his home run attempts, all of his go balls are slot fades and simple goes. And that is because he can predetermine that pre-snap. Yep. He can go, "I got man, I'm taking this right away." Post-snap Rodgers is not happening right now. And the right now like so a third of Rodgers' pass attempts this year have been at or behind the line of scrimmage. Today was 31%. So right in line with yes. the season average. 
So it's 30, he's at 33.2 for the season. The NFL averaged 22%. That is the highest percent since 2012. Tied with Alex Smith in his one year with Washington in 2020. Oh my God. For the, yes, the highest percentage of throws that are at or behind the line of scrimmage. He is at a historical rate. 33% of those. And I'll, uh, and Bella, you can put the clip up, clip up for the YouTube, uh, listeners is that this is last week against the Jets. And so many of these plays is there is him scrambling or it was a bootleg. I'm sorry. And him looking down the field and he just doesn't throw it. He, or he does throw it and he doesn't scramble. He has a wide open lane there to run for about 10 yards, maybe more. And instead he throws a contested trick shot into like, for whatever reason behind him. And it's one of those where it's like what he's doing this a lot where he's hunting these plays randomly. Nothing's happening in structure or he's signaling and dinking and dunking on the outside. So there's another play that uh, against the Jets that I noticed was this happens a ton with Rodgers. This was last week. This was um, against the Giants. This was this week is he if the pre-snap read is not open, he's just hanging out. And he's not getting into the ad lib bounce around world. He's like, just like, screw it. I'm curling up and taking the hit here. Or I'll throw this one away and I'll look at the sideline and give him palms up. Like that play call was terrible. He had one against the Jets. They run a four by one concept. Now, and I'll mention this a few times. I've mentioned these types of plays a few times because you can really tell how the quarterback's reading the game on these because it's a pre-snap read. It's zone. You go one side, man, you go to the other. He has Romeo Dobbs, I believe, on the one man route and the four side over there. The Jets are obviously playing in a zone coverage. They have three guys to Dobbs' side. So it's a three-on-one. He looks at Dobbs and hangs on Dobbs. And it's and he's, Dobbs is running a slant route. And it's like, why are your eyes going there? One. Two, why are you hanging over there? Like You got three defenders going there. You have a safety, a corner, and a linebacker. It's the easiest four-man side read you could ever have. This is day one install for a quarterback. And Rodgers has run this concept a million times because usually he had Devontae Adams as his lone guy. And sometimes he could just say, fuck the read. I'm going to number 17 here. Now he doesn't have a fuck the read type of guy. And now you can see it catching up to him a lot that he's used to go, oh, I used to just hit my one-on-one all the time here. He's like, oh, shoot, I have to read this concept out. I ain't doing that. So he holds onto the ball and takes a sack or he holds on the ball and throws it away. And it's that's cropping up time and time again. And that is not. It's, it's hard. I mean, their run game is actually pretty good, especially out of the shotgun. They're eighth in, uh, in success rate, I believe, in the run, running the game. Running the game. Running the ball. But it's just this passing game is just all horizontal with one or two shots. And usually it's just a performative type of shot play. The most disgusting number I found that related to the Packers passing game this year. On the season, they have completed 11 passes that went for no gain or negative yardage. Completed 11 passes. That went for no gain okay. or negative yardage. That's second in the NFL. Only one team has more. And I will give you one guess about who that team is. Because it, it is disgusting. Panthers. It's the Chargers. The Chargers have 14 of them. <laughs> oh. oh. So no. in seven games, twice oh, no. a game, the Los Angeles Chargers complete a pass that goes for zero or negative yardage. Twice a game. That's hilarious. I knew you, I knew you'd be disgusted by that. It's pretty That's nasty. That's so funny. That's so. There's so many stats. Like, and I look them up for like Rogers or like even Russell Wilson or something, and then I always see Herbert's name like just above. Like, oh no, that, why are you down here? Why are you down here, Justin? This is in your realm. The the Packers offense, and we said this with about the Giants. How when you're trying to live this way, 
it you have to do everything right everything every detail has to be crisp you the margin yes. for error is so small when you're not moving the ball efficiently or explosively in the passing game the packers aren't playing that way that fourth and one to dobbs i don't know what's supposed to happen on that play I, I, you watch it, and Watkins is either supposed to block or he's supposed to do something. He just lets Wild Goose through, he whacks Dobbs, and who drops the ball on fourth and one. And then the third and two play that I do want to talk about, the play where Rodgers looked to the sideline and said, what the fuck are we doing on third and two? He has Dobbs sitting there, yep. and he just doesn't throw it. And I don't know it's because if it's because the pick wasn't clean, the rub route that they were supposed to get on that one by three side, but Dobbs is just yeah. sitting there and he double clutches it and then dirts it. So there's something not clean about the way that play actually unfolds, but that combined with him compounding the problem is just what's happening now with this team. Yeah. And, and that's the concern. And even in the run game today, multiple different plays where they're just leaving guys unblocked for TFLs yeah. for like five, six yards. They had only faced six third downs in this game, okay? Four of those were at least third and ten. Okay. They're just okay. putting themselves in yeah. terrible situations. I mean, it is a pretty ugly offense to watch in every single way. And hopefully when their best five get out there, it looks a little bit cleaner. But the lack of details, they had a bunch of multiple illegal formation penalties today or illegal yeah. shift penalties today. I mean, they are just not crisp right now on offense. And it's, I think I saw, and I, I, I want to attribute to the right person, but I believe they only had four motions in the, all of today. So it's hilarious that they're like, okay, we're going to run this offense. How you want to run it, Aaron? And they're kind of taking away like any excuse that he might have. So it's, it's, yeah, it's the palms up stuff is hilarious. Cause even like I said, when I watched the, the Jets game all 22, he is the classic. He'll go palms up on the bad run plays when something bad happens, but when it's good, you know, not, you don't hear anything. It's all just results. Nothing about process. There's one with like AJ Dillon that I think he just gets tripped, but it was blocked perfectly and called perfectly. He gets the perfect type of defense against the Jets. Dillon trips. So it goes for like a two or three yard gain and he looks at the sideline like they messed up and it was like, dude, come on. Like <laughs> you can't just do the that. Body language is bad. 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 It's horribly bad. It's awful. Anytime, anytime the other team has a drive that lasts more than six plays, I wish they just kept the camera on him because it's just it's he's he's a fire breathing dragon in the worst type of way, not in the good way that usually bring it up, but in the bad way. Whenever something the other team is having well or doing something well, or they had a rough series the previous series, it's just yeah, the body language is bad. But I mean, it's I know it's Rogers and he he he's he's himself like he's his own personality and stuff but and that's what makes him great but there's a lot of this stuff that he's got to point the finger at himself and I really like he has to because when it is blocked up well when a guy is winning or it is schemed up well he's not giving them all the chances that they can have and I get it some stuff is you're mixing up the offensive line you have all these young guys that receive guys also against but, man coverage there there are not a lot of people open. I mean, no. it, when they're when they're having to like actually make a play on, on third and anything, and teams are playing man coverage, there are not a lot of guys winning in man coverage. No, and he's not. He doesn't like it. Uh, no one likes that. No. And, but it's just, and he's like, I'm not throwing a pick. Like he's like, I'd rather just burn the ball and let's. Hey, we we're building up our defense, right? So you can just see him trying to figure out what he's working with, and I think he's just grasping at straws. Like this isn't working. Well, shoot, that didn't that didn't fix it. Like it's like you know we're turning a uh, circuit breakers. That turn on. Like, that's kind of like how he's doing with his offense. That's what it feels like. It's happening publicly every week. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy because they he was justifiably the MVP the last two years and how efficient oh, yeah. their passing game was. And for it to derode for it to erode this fast, losing Devontae Adams is part of it, but I think that it, the, these issues are coming from several different directions, and that's how you end up with an offense that really looks like this. Uh, the one other the unit you know we're not going to get to tonight, but I do want to talk about at some point later in the week is the Chargers offense because struggling like that against the Seahawks defense is definitely worth mentioning. I did not watch enough of that game. That is definitely going to be part of uh, part of the study part of the study session this week. Is going to be watching how the Chargers are managing to do that against a Seahawks offense that hasn't or defense that hasn't been able to stop anybody this season. It's, that's what happens when your entire passing game is passes to the running back like that. <laughs> that's what happens when when your when your passing game looks like that. Yeah, but I I'm excited to dig my teeth into that. I'm one. not excited, but we are going to do it. All right. <laughs> I love my schlock, man. <laughs> really quickly, we're going to talk about a couple of guys that we noticed, then we're going to get out of here. Can you see me now? Can you see me now? A couple games that we're not going to hit with any sort of uh, depth today, but I want to talk about the Ravens' front just really quickly. They had five sacks in this game. Without those five sacks, they don't win this game. And Calais Campbell had a huge play. Justin Houston had a couple sacks. Kyle Hamilton had one on a blitz. They got pressure just often enough to win that game. I want to dig into that one a little bit later over the course of the week. We'll hit that on the hangover with Mike Sando tomorrow. And then the other guy I want to talk about just very quickly, Micah Parsons had, Mitch pointed this out on Twitter, ridiculous hustle play to save a touchdown in that game against the Lions. And on the next play, the Cowboys get a turnover. And yep. You know, it's the Lions and the Lions offense has looked pretty damn good for stretches of this season. I know they got dismantled by the Patriots, but the Cowboys just keep doing this. They just keep beating the shit out of every single offense that they play against, except the Eagles last week. And they're five and two right now. And they can kind of ease Dak back in. They're winning games with Cooper Rush. Dak just being like fairly efficient is all they really need right now. And that's what was happening. So Again, credit to the Cowboys and that defense. Another game that we'll talk about on the hangover tomorrow. But those are the two I wanted to point out before we get out of here tonight. I'm glad he brought the Parsons one because I rewatched the game because I was like, what play was he talking about? Because you're like, I want to point out one play. And it was going through it. I'm like, oh, I know the play because <laughs> he is. It's a tight end screen, I believe. Right. And he's like seven yards in the backfield. Parsons is. And he runs him down, <laughs> down to save that play. And then there's another one. I tweeted it was he runs down golf. He makes an inside move and he's like 10 yards behind Goff and runs him down. And it was like a third and 12, like Goff's not running for a first down anyways. But the fact that he runs inside and is not like, oh, I'm so, I'm, not, I'm on the opposite side of the field. Like, okay, someone else will tackle him. He's trying to go make that tackle. It's cool. It's cool when you see star players that are one of the rarest athletes that this, this game has seen. Like, seriously, that's what Parsons is. On top of it, he plays with his hair on fire. Oh, he plays incredibly hard. It's so cool. And it's so cool that he does it. Like, and it's not just once or twice a game. It's, it's not just he turns up in the fourth quarter because it matters. It's like, no, it's first quarter he's doing that. Second quarter he's doing it. Third quarter he's doing it. Hell of a player. Hell, hell of some good, good plays from him today. All right. That's all we got for tonight. As I mentioned, we will be back with the Monday hangover with Mike Sando. That'll come out on Monday evening tomorrow into Tuesday. We'll talk about some of these games that we did not hit tonight. In the meantime, if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching this and you haven't subscribed, highly encourage you to do that. If you're listening, as you might have heard over the course of us doing this, we're going to try to incorporate some of the plays that we're talking about, some visual elements into the YouTube stream. We still want you guys to be able to listen to it. It's a podcast, but when applicable, we're already talking about these plays anyway. 
So hopefully we're going to throw up some visuals just so people that are watching this can get a little bit of a better understanding of some of the stuff that we're talking about. If you have not, please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. And if you could, if you like the show, let us know. Go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Tell us why you like it. We would really appreciate that. We will be back tomorrow with Sando. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.